I remember them putting me, it kind of looked like a jail jumpsuit. And they put me in a room. They left the curtain open. They told me I couldn't get out of the bed, could not use the phone. If I was hungry, I could ask them for food and they would bring it to me. Um, They told my husband he couldn't leave. And I remember asking my husband, I was like, I'm not like a fucking criminal. What's going on? Hey there, my name is Sean and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives and we almost never talk about it. We certainly don't talk about it enough. And when we do, many of us, including me, are not very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. Why? Well, as many of you know, to help more people in more places feel a little less shitty and a little less alone. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. You can check the show notes to find an additional way to reach out to us via recorded message. There's also more information there about how to support, sponsor the podcast, some of our programs and presentations, our group on Signal, check that out, and our membership. We would love your support. And specifically, what we want to do in the next few months is transcribe each and every episode. We think it'll help us reach more people in more places to help them feel a little less shitty, and a little less alone. Yes. Now, we are talking about suicide on this podcast, as the title suggests, as we do every week. And we know it may not be a good fit for everybody, so please take that into account before or as you listen. But I do hope you listen, because there is so much to learn. Today, I am talking with Jasmine. Jasmine lives in the state of Washington, and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Hey, Jasmine. All right, we got another one in their car. This is like every third person is in their car. What are you escaping from? What's happening? I had to go pick up my kids. <laughs> oh, we're doing this while you're driving? Yeah. Um, I'm literally like three minutes from home. Oh, I mean, are they in the car already? Yeah, they're, they're in the car right now. Well, I'm talking to Jasmine. Her kids are there. And Jasmine, you're going to talk about this subject in front of your kids? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't hide anything from my kids. I'm very wow. open with them. Real quick, I don't need to see them because this is a podcast, but please say hello so our audience can hear you kids one at a time. Hello. What's your hello. name? Ethan. Hi. Hey, Ethan. Next. Next. Kaden. My little one hiding. That's Aaliyah. <laughs> okay. Who's in the back? Brooklyn. Oh, all right. You got some cool names in that family. You're traveling in a car. I, I'm not here to tell you how to live your lives, but I'm glad to see you wearing your, your seatbelts. You are in the state of Washington. We're not going to ask for addresses or anything, but are you in an urban area or a more rural or suburban area? I would say rural. I'm like 45 minutes north of Seattle. Isn't that like um, the North Pole? Are your four at this moment well-behaved children okay living so close to the North Pole? Yes, most definitely. Okay. (laughs) 
Now, and your kids also know you in a way, uh, in a very unique way, because you're their mother. But it is rather badass uh, that you uh, not only went through what you went through, which we'll talk about, but then are willing to uh, talk about it with not only me, but by, you know, at some point, uh, thousands of people around the world uh, will yeah. hear it. Are you okay with that? Yeah. I mean, I want to share my story and I want to be a light in the darkness for other people that have gone through the same thing that are struggling and feel no way out. Yeah. That's the darkness that that's what what you just said is the darkness. Yeah. And I know what it feels like to be there and not feel like you have a way out and just wanting to end the pain. Yeah. And you tried to do that actually. I have. Yes. How many times? Three times. Just before we get started, though, should we wait until you're home? Because it's it's incredible to me, admirable, that all four kids, and none of them are super young, I get that, but nonetheless are um, like open to hearing this conversation and know everything. I got to tell you, I think that's not a common thing. I'm a single mom, so uh, I don't want to, you know, there are some things that I try to shelter them from, but when it comes to mental health, that is mm-hmm. one that I am very, very open with mm-hmm. them me being a single mom and the circumstances that they have went through over the past two years. We're talking split ups and COVID and other stuff in the last two years. Um, Yeah. A divorce after 15 years. So it's a lot. Does Brooklyn realize that I lived in her borough? Um, No. And you know, the funny thing is when I was a kid, I was obsessed with New York for some odd reason. No, no, it's not an odd reason. It's because it's an amazing city. That's why. (laughs) With all due respect, it's a little better than the North Pole. Go on. (laughs) And um, I loved the name Brooklyn. You know what? That's what I'm naming my daughter. Jasmine. Yes. Technically in the United States, but pretty close to to the North Pole. (laughs) Yes. So you might know Santa Claus or Ms. Claus. Yes. All right, fine. Three suicide attempts and especially Rocky last two years. Uh, four kids, probably a minivan. Oh, really? Can I be wrong with that? Duh. <laughs> of course she has a minivan. I uh, do. We don't need to give any physical descriptions because it's a podcast and I love people using their imaginations and that's even more fun. So let me ask you this question, Jasmine. We, 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 we exchanged emails a couple times as is often the case. And there's always a handful of questions that I tend to one of a few questions that I tend to start these conversations off and then they sort of go and in different ways. Did someone tell you about the podcast or did you put the word suicide somewhere to find it? So I actually was looking for podcasts that were more tailored to suicide survivors and yours had popped up and I listened to the first episode to see what it was like. And yeah. I was like, okay, this is really good. And I have been hooked. When you say the first, do you, are, do you remember? Cause I don't know how your podcast platform works. Do you mean, Podcast number one or the most recent one? Podcast number one. Because I will tell you, I have gotten better at this shit and my editing has gotten better. So if you lasted through that first one, who I believe is Courtney in Louisiana, I remember. Yes. Um, I, and you were hooked. So you've been listening. When was that about? How long ago? It was like three weeks ago. And I've like listened in the morning when I get up and get ready for work. And then I listen to it when I'm driving. And then I'll listen to it on my lunch break and then on the way home. Any, and any of your kids ever like ma like you're, uh, you're, you're like uh, you might want to relax and listen to a little uh you know drake like what are you doing yeah you know sometimes they do and i'm like you guys like this is 
it is one of the best podcasts that I have ever listened to. And that is the hundred percent truth. But do they think you're weird for that? Oh yeah. I mean, they think I'm weird in general, so yeah. it's okay. Good. good. <laughs> weird. Good moms are good and weird moms. You find the podcast, you listen to it regularly. Now, but there's a bigger question here. Most people don't put a word like that anywhere. Right. But podcast, Google, YouTube, wherever else. Why would you do that? You know, at that point in time, I was just really struggling with suicidal thoughts. And, you know, I couldn't get into my therapist. She's been booked for months. I mean, I could reach out to my family and stuff, but Mm -hmm. they don't understand. They're there for me 100%, but they don't understand. Got to call you on something. When you say they're for you 100%, but... That's not 100%. Sorry, family. Not quite. uh, Well, 99 point something I'll accept. I'll say my parents are there 100%. My sister's not so much because they have never dealt with what I'm going through and had the same thoughts or even. So obviously would make it very difficult. Now, by the way, I've never been pregnant, but I can empathize with the pain of pregnancy. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe that's TMI, but hey, but yes. You are correct. There, there's a there's a disconnect that makes it very it's very difficult to bridge. Right. All right. So the sisters aren't a hundred. Sorry, sisters. The parents were giving a hundred, which is a very high score. And and you put the word suicide in because you're going through a hard time and you don't have a lot of people or at least them to talk to. And shockingly, though not shockingly, your therapist isn't around. That's more of a systemic thing, I assume, than necessarily your therapist being a jerk. Oh yeah. So was it desperation? Yeah, I think it was desperation. And I just wanted to hear like attempt survivors stories and how they came out on the other side and what helped them get through in their Mm -hmm. darkest moments. Okay. What helped them get through? Some of them are still in very dark moments. You know, if you hear enough podcasts, you'll see some are fine, quote unquote, some aren't. And we've lost for sure at least one. But that when was you, on the podcast? Yeah. Well, when you talk to 150 people who are suicide attempt survivors, and some is happening now, and you know, some was like in the past and they're in a different place, it's gonna happen. Yeah. I mean, right? Yeah, that's true. And my and I know my role, and some people don't always agree with it, but my role is to try to engage, create the space, put the podcast out. Your choice is your choice. Yeah. You don't want it to happen, but sometimes it's gonna happen. That's my little rant for the moment. Okay. I don't need to know your age because I've learned that's not a polite thing. But you got four kids. You were married for 15 years. I can do general math. Um, You're probably younger than me. Are you going to make it to 50? 100%, yes. Are you going to die a natural, quote, natural death? Yes, and I hope it's in my sleep and I don't feel any pain. But now I'm a little pissed that I know that you're younger than me. (laughs) You're using this word a lot, 100%. There are people I talk to after one or more attempts. They're like, you know what? If you would ask me another time in my life, I would have been like, definitely would never kill myself, but I tried once. So now I'll say 95% or 50. So it's interesting to hear multiple suicide attempts, but you're, 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 you're confident. Yeah. I mean, I look at the four faces that I brought into this world for them. One, I could never put them through that pain. Okay. And two, like they are my reason for breathing. And waking wow. up every day. And two, I would never want them to go be with their dad. Oh, all right. That's another part of the conversation. Okay. Yeah. And like, they are my world. So without them? Without them, I could say that I would not be here. Okay. 
So your parents are involved in their lives. Uh, yep. A hundred percent. My mom. Um, so I work full time. My mom works full time. When my mom gets off work, because I'm still at work, she'll, she comes to my house and stays with my kid till I get home. So my parents are very, very involved with their grandkids. And I am so thankful for that. What kind of work do you do? Um, I work in healthcare. I'm a customer service rep. Okay. So to hear that you have your parents around to help is is amazing. I I say fucking amazing because it's my podcast, so I can curse. You can (laughs) do whatever I want until they tell me I can't. Uh, This is always challenging. We don't always have to start with the attempts, but they're starting points. You had three, two questions, ready? How old were you when you first thought of suicide as an option? And then two, how old were you uh, when you first attempted? So when I first thought of suicide as an option, uh, my third, I think he was six months. Um, oh, so you were an adult. Yeah. So I was 20. I had him when I was 21. My husband at the time, now ex-husband, we were split up. He did not attend the birth of my son. He was, you know, in and out of the picture. And I was struggling really, really bad with postpartum. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And with my twins, I I didn't have postpartum. Um, and I was living with my parents. So I had my mom 24-7. My third son came along, my ex-husband. We were young, stupid. He couldn't handle it. So he's like, fuck this. I'm leaving. Moves to the other side of the mountains. Yeah. So we have Western Washington, you know, where it's cold and rainy. Mm -hmm. And then we have Eastern Washington, which is the other side of the mountains, where it's nice and hot all the time. Well, which one are you at? We don't know. I am on the rainy side. You're on, but you're like on the slopes, probably. Yeah, I'm. I'm closest to the North Pole. Yeah, gotta just make it really hard. So, just to be clear, from birth to twenty, and I'm not trying to simplify or generalize, but I have no choice. You're not ideating and thinking about killing yourself. Correct. I mean, I would say I had anxiety as a child, but I didn't mm-hmm. know like how to pinpoint it or what the signs were. Mm-hmm. I was the second child out of four girls. I was the black sheep. For some reason that doesn't shock me. I don't yeah. that surprised. So <laughs> well, let's embrace uh, our black sheepness, shall we? So there's my older sister. She's very, very quiet to herself. Mm-hmm. Then there's me. And then I had two younger sisters. They didn't really like to hang out with me. They did their own thing. I was very quiet and reserved and timid, did not want to be without my mom at all. My dad worked all the time. So I know, I mean, we, we saw him um, coming and going to work, but yeah, I did not want to be without my mom. Um, I always got picked on. I knew my sisters loved me and cared about me, but looking back as a kid, like I wish I had that sisterly bond when we were younger. And then as we got older, middle school, high school, I always got picked on. I was on high alert. I'm that type, like I will read people. Mm. And I just, I was very selective with who I hung out with. And when it came to friends, I would go be friends with the ones that were left out or the ones that weren't the popular kids per se. AKA black sheep. Correct. Yeah. In turn, I ended up getting picked on a lot. And I just, I would not 
um, like stand up for myself. And that's where my younger sister came along. She's a year and 15 months younger than me. She was the loud mouth and she would put people in their place. Um, she's still like that now. So I do love her for that. There is at some point a guy enters the picture. Yeah. So my now ex-husband, um, so we had met when we were 13 and I was head over heels for him. Charming. Charming. Yes. Good. Uh, uh, handsome. Yes. Funny. Yes. Intelligent. Yes. Kind. Yes. How the fuck does this relationship not work out? Those are some awesome qualities. Jesus. I know, right? My God. I would have dated. I would have been all over him too. I know. We had met when we were 13. Um, we were middle school sweethearts, high school sweethearts. There came a point like in the relationship. Uh, my dad, he was like, no, he is not the one for you. At what point in time, everything is going to happen. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. your dad, and I'm pretty sure he's a wise man, said this. You didn't believe him. He knew he was right. He was right. But how did he know? My dad is very, very intuitive. Wow. And he just like, when he meets people, my dad, he can like sense like if this person is good or bad. I can't meet your father ever. (laughs) I don't care what your middle child loves about him. He's freaking me out. He's very, like, my dad has the kindest heart, but when people, like, meet him, like, my friends, as kids, they'd be like, your dad is big and black and intimidating, and I'm like, yeah, (laughs) so, and then when my husband, well, ex-husband, at the time, had asked me to marry him, my dad told him, no, you're not going to marry my daughter, no. Whoa, 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 I don't know about culture and tradition and hearing this, your father had a say in it? And he told specifically not to you, but to him. No. Yeah. He had Did he, he asked your told. father's permission or something? Yeah. Okay. I like that. I like that sort of ritual. I like that kind of courtesy. But your yeah. big black intimidating father, your words, not mine, without without reservation. No. Yeah. He's like, you are not marrying my daughter. And there must have been a reason for it. He must have shared a reason. I mean, I don't know what my dad's reasoning was per se at that time. But looking, you know, forward 15 years and everything that led up to our divorce, I should have listened to my dad. But, you know, being young and 18 and wanting to do my own thing. 18's young. 18's young, Jen. Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to push here a little bit. Okay, you should have listened to him. What's the one thing your dad implied or explicitly said as the reason? No. Is there anything a little more specific that he said or shared? He was not. He did not have a stable job. Okay. He was very flighty. He didn't have a place of his own. So I think that was a big thing. Like, where where's my daughter going to live? Yeah. How are you going to support my daughter? And then come to find out I was pregnant. So that was another thing. Before you got married, you found out you were pregnant. That adds some pressure to the mix. But you, did your dad know that? I begged my mom not to tell oh. him. And my mom, she was like, I'm not going to hide that from your dad. As much as you don't want him to know, I'm going to tell him. I don't have kids, but but something about my teenage daughter getting pregnant that still would make me fucking crazy. Yeah. Anyway, back to your life, Jasmine. No one gives a shit about mine. Your dad says no. Obviously, Jasmine uh, says, yes, I will marry you. Yeah. So we got married in November. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had the twins in June. He... (laughs) I think I was like seven months pregnant. He had quit his job. What was his job? 
God, I think he was working at a car lot. You know, I had asked him, um, like at that point I was super fat and pregnant with twins. I was like, what, what are we going to do financially? I have no money coming in. I'm high risk. I can't work. And he's like, well, we'll figure it out. Lo and behold, we didn't. I had the twins beginning of June. I had went back to work when they were like a month old. I had no time to recover. He still was not working. I had went back to work, wasn't making enough money. So we had broke our lease in our um, the apartment we were living in. I had called my parents, told them what happened. And they said, well, you can come home with the twins. But he can't. But your husband ain't coming here. And by the way, I also know because of the way you originally framed this, you still got about 10 years with this guy. I know this isn't over. Yeah. So I like to know that I, I'm getting ahead of it all. All right, here we go. Yeah. So we had the twins. Um, I worked at, well, in North Carolina, you guys probably have it. Kroger. Yeah, I think we do. I don't, yeah, probably. Yeah. Up here, it's called Fred Meyer. So I was there for 10 years. And okay. between that time, I had gotten pregnant with our third son. And I told my husband at the time, I was like, you know, I'm really not feeling this. Like, I just think it's better if we separate and I just stay at my parents' house and just help them raise my kids because this is a lot. And I would just rather be a single mom and do it with my parents and not have you around because you're not stable. I don't want this for my kids. And I'm going to go out on a very short limb here and say, he didn't handle that very well. He did not. And, uh, so at the time he was living at his parents and, you know, eventually his parents got sick of it and they were like, you know, you're not staying here either. So he had packed up his car and moved to, um, the other side of Washington to live with his grandma on the the dry side. Yes. On the dry side of the state. And, um, I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning. <laughs> and so, um, in between that time, I had actually met another guy. Now there's a twist. Here we go. Here is, and we are remember leading to a suicide attempt in all of this. Yes. I would say my son was about, I think he was a year. So my twins had just turned two. My third son was a year. Um, I had met this other guy in between that time. Mm. Him and I were talking off and on. My husband, he comes back into the picture and he's Mm. like, hey, I want to try to work it out. I said, okay, for the sake of the kids, we'll try it. It just was not working. One day I had spiraled and I like had all these thoughts going through my head. I was super like overwhelmed with the kids and working full time and him not helping. And it was just a lot being 21 with three kids under the age of three. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And you said that you dealt with some severe postpartum. Yeah. And, you know, I knew nothing about that. You know, my doctor had explained it a little bit. He's like, you know, your mood is going to change. Let me prescribe you some medication. The medication, you know, did help a little bit, but I was still super emotional and fucked up. Um, I had taken a bottle of Tylenol. Are we getting to the attempt now? Yeah. Before Um, we do that, I have one question. Yes. Maybe slightly sensitive, but we're grownups. Black communities, by and large, in my experience, in the United States at least, tend to be a little more resistant to going to doctors. Yeah, I mean, I'm still like that. So I'll go, like, if I'm, like, super, super sick, like, throwing up constantly or, like, Mm -hmm. having diarrhea, 
that's the only reason I'll go. Or if there's like broken bones. Did, did you get the care you needed in as much as such a thing is available for postpartum? Or did you get a little bit and then sort of dismiss it and it only got worse? Yeah, I would say I got the bare minimum care. Yeah, I pretty much, you know, went to my checkups for my pregnancy, went to my six week checkup, told my doctor, hey, um, I think something's wrong. I don't know what. Okay, here's some antidepressants. Just take this and we'll follow up you know, in eight weeks to see how you're doing. And you didn't go back. System sucks. And in that case, you didn't give a shit. I mean, that you didn't give a shit, but it, was, it wasn't the place for you. And yeah. uh, for people who don't know, what does it feel like to be suffering, at least for you in with postpartum? Like for me, it was worse than dealing with the suicidal thoughts, honestly, 100%. Because, you know, your body is still recovering from having kids and then you're going through physical changes. And you just don't know what's going on. You're so tired from not getting sleep. You're taking care of a baby and making sure that their needs are met. At what point in this whole process do your ideations turn to action? So I would say it was my husband had come back. He was living with his parents and he would, you know, come over and help the kids. Um, It got to a point. I, I think my son, he was probably six months. I remember I was at work one day and I was just standing in my check stand and I just had a mental breakdown. I was shaking and crying. And I texted my husband. I said, I am leaving. I don't know what's going on, but you need to meet me. Mm. And I told him, I said, I'm done. I am going to fucking kill myself. And he's like, what? I said, yeah, I'm done. Come and get me. He had picked me up. And I remember I had a bottle of Tylenol in my purse. I think I took like 14 to 15 pills and he's sitting in the car and he's like, that's not going to fucking kill you. Whoa. Whoa. That's the response. Yeah. And so he had taken me to the hospital. Um, I remember them like putting me in like this weird, it kind of looked like a jail jumpsuit and they put me in a room. They left the curtain open. They kept checking on me. Um, They told me I couldn't get out of the bed, could not use the phone. If I was hungry, I could ask them for food and they would bring it to me. Um, They told my husband he couldn't leave. And I remember asking my husband, I was like, I'm not like a fucking criminal. What's going on? Jasmine, no, you're not a criminal. But let's be very clear with the audience. And this is me, not Jasmine speaking. You're not treated kind of like a criminal. They treat you like one. You are treated as a criminal. Yeah. And I don't mean like a trespasser. Yeah. And like, it's fucked up that the hospital system or the health system, they treat people that are suffering mentally like that. They, I believe, profit from that. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. And then they're going to prescribe you medication. Yeah. And they're going to make more money out of it. And then they're going to send you on your merry little way. And then you're going to get a big bill and maybe your insurance covers some of it. And maybe your credit gets fucked up forever. You yeah. know, it's like a big fuck you to all of them. In fact, I'm going to change the name of this goddamn podcast to <laughs> fuck you mental health hospitals.com. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that, but we're already kind of branded. So I got to keep it. How long are you in the hospital for? So they released me that day. Um, they had asked me, Um, if I wanted to do inpatient treatment, I told them, I said, you know, I don't think that I'm to the point where I want to be in a mental hospital. I have three kids at home. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. I would rather just get outpatient support. So Mm -hmm. they had, um, given me paperwork 
And then the following day, the outpatient hospital had called me and I did the outpatient class for six weeks. That helped tremendously at that point. Oh, great, great. I was good. I mean, I still struggled with ideations and anxiety and depression. So that was, let's see, 2010. So then my next attempt was 2020. Hang on, 10 years. Another child comes along. Yeah. You're working at Kroger's or whatever they call it. Yeah. Your husband's still in the picture. I'm imagining it's not a super amazing, beautiful, perfect relationship based on what you've shared, but it's there. I am curious to know what happened with the other guy. So um, after the attempt, my husband and I, ex-husband now, I love the guy, but he's my ex. Ex. Very, very clear. Ex. Yes. My son was like a year. I, I knew the guy that I, you know, was romantically involved with. Between that time, I think my son was probably nine months, 10 months. I found out I was pregnant. Who's? This was the other guy. This had happened in between the time my husband and I, ex-husband, were split up. Your husband absolutely knew. I don't know the math. I don't know the math or what's my business, but it's pretty clear. Yeah. And so, I mean, we were still married, but separated, just not legally. He was dating somebody else. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go get mine too. So I had met. My youngest daughter's dad um, became pregnant. Does she have a relationship with her biological father? For the longest time, she did not. I think I was, you know, I was six months pregnant with her and her dad respectfully had said, you know, I want to be there for my daughter, but you are married. I can't be with somebody who is married. And he said, and I shouldn't have even, you know, been with you while you were still married, even though you were separated. And I said, yeah, well, you know, he was with somebody else. And I said, oh. okay, I, I respect your decision. And then I had let my husband come back. Do you think if your husband never wanted to come back, you would have been with this guy still? Oh, yeah. Wow. All right. So there's a book there. There's a whole book there. Um, oh, or yeah. movie. Movie Two, how old was it when you told your daughter the truth? I think she was seven or eight. I waited until she wow. got a little older because my husband did come back in the picture. That's got to um, be so complicated. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, he was there for her birth. All right. I would imagine that's challenging. Yeah. It, it, it was a lot to tell her. And, um, you know, my ex-husband, he was like, you know, I don't care. Her dad's not going to be involved in her life. Like he's the, he's scum of the earth to me. He can't have anything to do with her. And so me, I'm stuck between the rock and the hard place. Like, do I respect what my husband wants or do I totally just negate that and let my daughter have a relationship with her dad? It sounds like a lot of your life in the last X number of years has been sort of stuck between rocks and hard places. Early twenties attempt one 10 years go by, there are kids, there's life, yeah. there's things, feel free to add to it, but we, we're not going to get into every day of your life in those 10 years. At some point you buy a fucking minivan. Um, <laughs> 2020 is an interesting year for most humans. COVID, yeah. Because in the March we had COVID. Yeah. And I also know in March, or I believe at least in that year, or shortly thereafter, you officially split from, and let us be clear again, your ex. Yeah. So we had all gotten COVID. I think it was, it was like April. And then in May, I noticed my husband like changing. He wouldn't say 
I love you. He, like we would go to bed at night. He wouldn't give me a hug. He wouldn't give me a kiss. Mm. In the mornings we would wake up. Like he wouldn't say bye to me when I would go to work. Mm -hmm. And I remember I came home one day and I was like, what is going on with you? Like, this isn't you. Like we've been together since I was 13. We have three kids together. What is going on? He's like, oh, you know, nothing. I just, I have a lot going on in my mind. It's not you. And then I go into my room one day and his phone keeps going off. We all know where this is going, Jasmine. Yeah. And uh, so I try to grab his phone. He runs in the room and grabs it from me. And then that night he comes outside and he takes the phone call. He's outside for like an hour. I call my dad. I'm like, dad, something's not right. Like he won't let me look at his phone. He's been outside taking phone calls. Won't tell me who it is. And my dad was like, I hate to say it, but I have a feeling that he's seeing somebody else. Yeah. No, here's what I'm thinking. I'm still scared of your dad. Small percent of chance that he was just told he has a uh, terminal illness, but so- 90 something percent chance. It's another woman or man, but probably woman. You know, I put two and two together and I asked him, I'm like, Hey, is there, is there somebody else in the picture? He's like, to be honest with you. Yeah. He's like, I'm not happy. I don't want to be with you. And he's like, I've been talking to this girl. We grew up with this girl in the same church. She's always had it out for him. She had bought him a plane ticket to go to Oklahoma. Is that where she lives? Yes. And so he tells me, he's like, you know, I, I don't want to be with you. I when, said, was okay. he gonna, when was he going to tell you this, Jasmine? You know, probably never. How long was he with her before you found out? I want to say they were talking probably for like two months. I, I can't say anything because, you know, my husband and I, we were separated and I did get pregnant from somebody else. I mean, granted, we, we were separated off and on. But she, you know, as a woman should have had enough respect to say, hey, marriage, um, you're married. Uh, let's do this the right way. The irony here also is that I believe the community you all met at is a church. And yeah, if I'm not mistaken, she- and I don't know a lot about religion or churches, I'm just a barely Jewish guy from New York. There are certain rituals, rules, even laws or guidelines you're supposed to honor and respect. She broke one. She's human. Yeah, that's where she went in. She went in for the fucking jugular and she got it. (laughs) She did. And so that night he had packed his stuff. And I said, if you walk out that door, I just want you to know you ain't coming back. I'm filing for divorce and you ain't taking my kids. So he had went to stay at his brother's and his brother had told him, he's like, are "Are you sure you want to do this? Like, you need to think about your wife and your kids. Like, this is going to change everything. Yeah. And he was like, nope, I'm sure. He had left that morning. I was like distraught, shooken up. I didn't tell my kids for at least a month. I told them that uh, we had gotten in an argument and he's staying at his parents. I bet they knew. Yeah. I mean, yeah, my kids are very smart. I I can't lie. They did know. But I just didn't have the heart to tell them. Tough spot. I put off the divorce for a while. We're still in lockdown. Um, I was still work at the time because I worked in healthcare. On oh, you're wearing the damn mask every fucking day. And you've yeah. got four kids and the husband who we think might is in Oklahoma somewhere right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's and there. Her, and, and you're saying I can't say her name, but why not? I don't know. I mean, like when I say her name, it's just like I have so much anger. But why can't I use the name on the podcast? Oh, no, you can. You can. Like, no, is there something I get sued for by using a real name? I don't know. 
No, I think I'm just scared. Like, what if she hears this? But then I'm like, you know what? Honestly, she's a bitch and I don't care. So feel free to use her name. We can use my ex-husband's name too. His name is Kyle and he's a fucking scumbag. You also said you still love him. I mean, I, I do love him. He did give me uh, three beautiful children. Yeah. We met when we were 13. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the thing that made me have my second attempt, I had found out my sister-in-law had called me and she said, this is going to be really hard for me to tell you. I need you to sit down. And I said, what? She goes, I just want you to know that Kyle and Cheyenne are having a baby. It literally felt like a knife through my chest. And then I thought I was like, oh my God, this is what he felt like when I told him I was pregnant from somebody else. Like, Interesting that you thought that way. That's quite mature of you, really. I was like, that pain like fucking hurts. That night, my mom had taken my kids because I told her I was like, I need to breathe. Like I found out my ex-husband is having a baby. Like, I just need to breathe. Can you take my kids? She said, okay, I'll come get them. That night I had... Did you already know what you were going to do that night? Or was it a little bit more like chaotic, frenzied, impulsive? Oh, no, I knew. I knew. So your mom picks up the kids. No idea what's about to happen this night. Yeah, no idea. You're And you're not about to tell her. Oh, no, absolutely not. So I had taken a belt and I like tightened it super tight around my neck. And when I got to the point where I started blacking out, I uh, snapped it from my neck. Why? Because I knew I didn't want to go. I just wanted, in that moment, I wanted the pain to end. You didn't want to die and you didn't. Okay. And I'm glad you were able to physically do it because sometimes it's too late to physically undo that. Were you home? Where were you? I was up in my room, sitting on my bed. What's it like to have that happen where um, you are that close to maybe dying and then all of a sudden you're just like conscious and back sitting on the same bed you've sat on for years same fucking wallpaper you know like what's that like i think in the moment it's like fuck why didn't i go through with it and then on the same token it's like thank god that i'm still here interesting sort of conflicting things i'm gonna guess that more people know about the first attempt than the second attempt yeah people know about the first attempt but not the second and the third Hang on. The second one after that happens, do you have any, I'm not asking you to show me, is there any marks? Uh, No, it's been a long time. Yeah. But no, there's no marks. And you're young, so you heal quickly. Um, I'm not bitter. Okay, whatever. Your kids are at your mom's. You have this attempt. You stop. What what happens then? Oh, uh, mom, just uh, bring the kids back. Uh, So I hid it for a little bit from my mom. And then for, I think it was like a week, week and a half, I was just really distraught. And I had actually went to work and wrote, I think it was a week and a day after I had wrote a suicide note after the fact. What do you think that was about? I just think I was just still like so distraught and hurt from one, me kicking my husband out and two, knowing it was the end of my marriage. Did you kick him out, really, or did you just do the thing that he's asking you to do? Well, I did the thing that I asked him to do. But then when I tell him, you know, if you walk out that door, you're not coming back. That's where it felt like I was kicking him out. Fair. Okay. So attempt number two, you keep it quiet. You tell your mom, how long does it take to tell your mom? And does your dad ever find out the same dad? who said, don't marry the guy. And it turns out this guy leaves and is now having a child. She's eight years younger than my ex-husband and I. So after the second attempt, I had written the letter 
Yeah. I remember printing it out. And then I, like, I was in tears, distraught. I had ripped it up. I called my mom and I said, mom, like, I don't know what to do. I told her, I said, I tried to kill myself a week ago. I wrote a suicide note after. She goes, well, what did you say in the note? Basically in the note, all I said was, mom, I love you. I'm sorry. Please do not give my kids to Kyle. I want you and dad to have them. So do whatever you need to do. So this this isn't just a post-suicide attempt. No, this is a post-suicide attempt note, pre-suicide attempt note. It's just the third one's coming soon. How does she respond when her daughter says that to her? So my mom had told me, she said, I know exactly what you're going through. She said, when you kids were little, Mm. I'd never told me up until that Mm. point. Mm -hmm. She said, when you kids were little and your dad was working, And it was just me taking care of you guys while your dad was bringing the money. She said, I was in deep, dark depression for five years. And she said, I never wrote a suicide note, but there were days where I wanted to just end my life. And she said, the only thing that kept me going was you kids. And then she said, all I remember was I prayed one day and I said, God, you're going to have to fix something in my life or I'm going out. And she said that from that moment on, like everything changed. Your mother has four children. Yes. And you were the reason she was able to stay alive. Yeah. Uh, about 45 minutes ago, you told me you have four children and they are the reason you're alive. Yeah. Now, I'm sure you've seen these patterns. At that time, your mother prayed to God and something happened. She's obviously still here. Is that also a pattern that happens? Because I also know you try again. So what what goes on in those moments after that note is written, but to the third attempt? Right before the third attempt, I had filed for divorce. It became final. I stayed single for probably about six months. And then I had met this guy on Facebook dating. When Where are we at now? Is it uh, 2022? Where are we? So it's beginning of 2022 to the end of 2022. You're dating Facebook guy. Yeah. So I let him move into my house. This was probably, I want to say he moved in after a month of dating. What do your kids say? My youngest daughter, she was like, look, mom, she's like, I know I'm only 11, but one, you don't need a relationship. And two, there's something weird with this guy. I love her. Yeah. I should, you know, have looked at the red flags, but I didn't. So he moves in. Mm. Blows out my transmission in my first car. Starts stealing money from my account, my bank account. Oh, shit. Doesn't go to work. Then I end up buying another car. Was there abuse? Yes. Um, Mm. Mental and physical. The physical abuse, I Mm. would say that started probably six months into the relationship. And um, he had gotten mad at me because I had a friend who was a personal trainer. And I would go to the gym with him and work out. Like we were friends. He would come over, like see me and my kids and hang out. So he had texted my phone one night and I grabbed my phone to text him. And my ex-boyfriend at the time said, I don't know what the fuck you think you're doing texting another man. And I had told him one, I am not married to you. Mm -hmm. And two, no man is going to tell me what I can and can't do, especially when you don't put a ring on my finger. He had pushed me down on the bed and choked me until the point I blacked out. The abuse kept continuing. Um, I had kicked him out. He went to jail. I let him come back. It happened again. Um, It almost never doesn't happen again. Yeah. 
And then the third time, which was my last straw, I had got up to get ready for work and I was in the shower and my daughter was in the bathroom using the toilet. And I get out of the shower. I go into my room and he said, why the fuck is your daughter in the bathroom? And I said, one, I was in the shower. Two, if she wants to use the toilet when I'm in the shower, my daughter is more than welcome to come in there. So I, I'm starting to get dressed. He picks up my bag of books and I have like 60 books in my big box. He throws it out my window, shatters my bedroom window, called me a hoe and a bitch. And then I kick him out. I said, that's it. Don't you ever fucking come back again. We are done. So this was uh, December 21st to be exact. This is like a month ago. Yeah. So my mom uh, had changed my lock. She said, don't you let him come back. She stayed with me. I think it was four days she stayed with me. And then my dad would drive by every now and then to make sure the kids and I were okay. Then one morning at like five o'clock, I hear a knock on the door. And I thought it was my daughter because her best friend lives right around the corner. And normally if she gets up early, she'll come home. This is where this is where in the movie you get killed. So I open the door mm-hmm. and I see a hand go through my door and I'm like, oh shit, that's not my daughter's hand. So I push the door shut and I couldn't shut it all the way. He pushes it and he makes his way in and I'm pushed up against the wall and he's hallucinating saying that there's people outside with guns. Oh, he's probably, he might be dealing with some serious mental illness challenges himself. Yeah. And so I was like, look, I don't care. Like, get the fuck out. My three older kids wake up. They're terrified. They start calling my mom. And my mom, she's like, call the cops and just let him stay. And she's like, just whispering so he can't hear. And I'm like, mom, are you sure? She's like, yes, call the cops and just let him stay and just talk to him like everything is normal. So I talked to him and I'm like, hey, come in my room, sit down, like, let, let's just talk and figure out what's going on. My son shuts the door in his room, calls the cops, and I'm just like calming down my ex-boyfriend. 30 minutes later, the cops come and arrest him. Thank God. He was in jail for, he just got out of jail like a week ago. Yeah. He had called me like every day when he was in jail. I did not answer. Well, fuck Um, Jasmine, for fuck's sake, could he just come bashing through the goddamn window of your minivan right now? Yeah. I mean, he probably could. So I think it was... December. Oh God, what day was it? That day. It was that day that he had broken. Well, I don't say I shouldn't say broken in because I opened the door. Mm-hmm. I had went to work. I was like super distraught. Like I was crying at work. I couldn't function. My boss, she said, you know what? You just need to go home. You just need to regroup, take a mental health day. So I had, I came home. It was around noon. My mm-hmm. kids were um, in the hallway talking I threw my purse down, grabbed a belt, started putting it around my neck. My daughter saw me. She Mm. started screaming. And she was like, mom, you're not going to do that. Right before I got the belt tight, she uh, pulled it off my neck. I don't. Did you want to die then? That sounds that feels different. No, I think that was more like spur of the moment. My emotions were all over the place and I couldn't think. That must be a bonding experience, a unique sort of bonding experience. Yeah. That was what, three, four weeks ago? It was December 21st. Um, When did you first put suicide into your uh, little phone or whatever? I think it was, I want to say the 26th or the 27th. So you try to end your life for a third time. That doesn't happen. It doesn't sound like you go to a hospital. Mm Mm-mm. 
the guy's in jail, your kids are at home. Five days later, you're like, are there other people out there I want to find? Yeah. And then you heard Courtney in Louisiana. Yeah. And then you got hooked. Your words, not mine. Yeah. And now your kids sometimes make fun of you for that. Yeah. Among other things, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Good. How many people know we're talking? Only my mom. Well, and your kids. Uh, yeah, and my kids. Did you keep the note? No. You tried to end your life for the third time on the 21st. Have you thought about it since? No. You've already told me you're going to make it to 60 or more. Oh, yeah. How, well, how, how have things changed so quickly in such a short period of time? One, getting the restraining order against my ex-boyfriend and eliminating that from my life. Two, working better to co-parent with my ex-husband. And three, like in those moments where I'm just very, very like overwhelmed, I call my mom instantly. No therapy, no medication. Um, I am on medication. The therapy, you know, it's, it's just hard to get a therapist. And I feel like if you're not like to the point where you're like extremely like suicidal or yeah. struggling with something, they won't take the time to get you in. I mean, even if they do, in that case, it's not usually very good. Yeah. I have the weirdest question I might ever ask anyone. Okay. Do you actually wear the belt you use to try to kill yourself twice? One of them, yes. But it's only with uh, two pairs of pants. That's it. Ooh, how many people do you have in your life who, who if you're having a really difficult day and you might even bring up the S word, they can handle it, talk to you and feel okay about it? So my youngest daughter's dad, him and I, you know, he does have a girlfriend, but even when I was with my husband, like he's always been there for me no matter what. This is a Disney ending. It's not there yet, but it might be in 2023, Jasmine. <laughs> and uh, one of my mom's sister, my aunt, um, she has dealt with mental health issues forever, but she came out the other side. So she is also one of my other biggest supports. What is one thing, if anything, that other than your kids, that actually makes you feel like I'm having a shitty day and I feel a little better now, if anything? Being around my friends at work and my dog. Oh, what kind of dog do you have? Uh, she is Pitbull, Black Lab, and German Shepherd. I'm not fucking with that dog. Yeah, I'm, I'm more afraid of him than your dad. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you pick the tough ones or they pick you. They do. More questions, I think. And that is it. One, uh, do you believe in God? Yes. What do you think God would have said to you about him? Whatever we call, we'll just call God, God. Uh, about your attempts, particularly if you had completed any of them? Well, one, I would say he would accept me into heaven. And here is why. Hmm. Because my parents have always taught me, once you ask Jesus Jesus into your heart, there's nothing that is going to separate you from heaven. Sin is a sin, hmm. period. So let's say I'm to kill myself. Joe Schmo down the street who murdered his ex-girlfriend, you know, last week, and he asked Jesus into his heart, whatever sins he committed, that's between him and God. That's for nobody else to judge. And I do know that God would tell me, I love you. Whatever hurt you're going through, you can bring it to me and I will be there and walk with you through it. And my dad is also a pastor too. So, Oh, how this didn't come up until the very end of the conversation. Interesting. Not surprised. Okay. I got a mental image and I'm almost sure I'm right. I swear to God, I think I'm almost exactly right. 
I know I'm going to come off as almost some weird white racist dude. I don't I don't think I am. I just think I'm almost 100% sure I know what your dad looks and sounds like. Are there any myths around any of the stuff you want to call bullshit on? That suicide is selfish. It's not. Like in the moment, like when somebody is so dark and the pain is just unbearable and they feel like that's the only way out, that's what they're going to do. In that moment, they're not thinking about their mom or their dad or their kids. They're thinking about how they're going to end their pain. Could you even argue that it's selfless? Not only not selfish, but sometimes the opposite of that. I would, yeah. What color is your minivan? It's gray. I'm having a hard time not judging right now. (laughs) You're pleasant. And it's been a pleasure to talk to you briefly with your children. You've been great and bold and brave and honest and candid and all sorts of other things. But you're in a fucking gray minivan. It's one of those, you know, where I'm coming from, Jasmine. I don't want to sound like a privileged asshole. You know, everybody, like all my friends are like, why don't you get an SUV? I'm like, you know, I have a buttload of kids. I always have at least one or two extra. And the minivan just makes logical sense. I hate practical matters. Be practical. (laughs) What else would you like to add? I just want the people out there that are struggling to know, one, that it's okay to not be okay. The dark days are not going to last forever. And Mm -hmm. if you are still alive and breathing, that there is a purpose for you here. And it may take you a while to find it, but eventually one day you will. Now, if somebody doesn't believe in God and doesn't have any kids, would you say the same thing to them? I would. Okay. I'm glad we got to talk. Me too. I mean, I know life is always going to come with challenges, but I, you know, it is good to be alive. And there's always light at the end of the tunnel. You just, you have to look for that little bit of hope. And you have four lights in a tunnel called your home now waiting for you. So go take it. So let them let them love on their mother. Thank you again. You're welcome. And uh, and we'll connect soon, Jasmine. Have a very nice day, I hope. You as well. Thank you. Now, bye. Bye. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. And special thanks to Jasmine up near the North Pole in Washington. Thank you, Jasmine. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at SuicideNoted and check the show notes for, among other things, more information about our membership. We would love and could use your support. And that is all for episode number 154. Stay strong. Do the best you can. I'll talk to you soon.